we magnify your great name indeed this god is too good we return worship we return praises we say be magnified in jesus mighty name we pray amen Can you celebrate the choir there? It's just uh, it's an endless river of worship that is at work in the choir. All right. Um, in order for us to make some progress, I would like us to really understand the subject of. Uh, spiritual covering why do you need spiritual covering and it will need a couple of days to fully establish uh, the issue but we can as well begin now first and foremost maybe we will begin from the book of acts chapter 17 verse Acts chapter 17. Are you there in Acts chapter 17? I'd like you to show you the nature of God. There are some things that God does that are natural to him. And it will surprise you to notice that Satan also does such things. One of the things that I'm talking about here is... Uh, in the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 26. Uh, and if you will assist me with a simpler translation of the Bible, something like easy-to-read version. NIV is as complex as King James Version. NIV is from back to... King James is back to front. NIV is front to back. It's the same thing, but one is back to front. The other one is front to back. Now, this is the point I'm trying to extract from this scripture. This is Paul trying to provide a perspective so that he can minister to a godless people. And he brings an argument here. And he said, and he made from one man every kind to live on the face of the earth. And has determined allotted periods. Oh my, this translation is weak. Change it. Uh, oh, go back to my King James. In fact, I don't know, but well, until we find a better translation, we'll stay with, with King James. And had made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. You know, I took this scripture out of a long sequence of argument that Paul was trying to establish. And uh, the reason why I chose this verse is because it indicates uh, two, two areas that is affected, influenced by the sovereignty of God. Uh, one of those areas is 
your boundary of habitation. Your boundary. God's sovereignty determines the, your boundaries of habitation. Uh, how many of you attended Benue State University or University of Agriculture? All right, so drop your hands. How many of you originally wanted to attend Benue State University? You see, none of them, including me. None of us desired to attend that school. But something superior to our desire was what was responsible for attending the school. So the sovereignty of God shapes the locations that you find yourself part-time. Because that variable is critical to your molding and your shaping. The second point I wanted to raise here, which this uh, King James Version does not seem to present uh, in, in a most uh, clear fashion, is that God also determines the time before appointed. I found a translation of the Bible that reads the times of visitation. Times of visitation. It means that in the calendar of God, there is a schedule of visitation that he sustained for all humankind. And this perspective is supported by the uh, book of Psalms 8 verse 4, where there is a debate and the substance of the debate was captured in the question, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? It means that God visits his creation. In fact, what happened in the Garden of Eden uh, when God was in search of Adam and Adam was nowhere to be found, it was one of those his ventures of visitation that he was upon uh, that he noticed that the fellow he was coming to meet with was displaced from the normal visiting point. So God has a nature of visiting his own and Satan also copied that nature. Satan copied that way of oppression. And that's what we have in the book of John chapter 10, verse 10. In John chapter 10, verse 10, we see uh, the nature of Satan revealed in a simple scripture. Do you have John chapter 10, verse 10 on the screen? The Bible says, the thief cometh not, but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. The thief cometh not. So it is in the nature of Satan to visit you. Just like it is in the nature of God to what? To visit you. That God has preordained the boundaries of our habitation, and God has preordained the schedule of our visitations. So God is a visiting God. God comes to check his creation, just like he came to check what was going on in Babel when he saw humankind building a tower. He's a visiting God. He comes to check. He comes to supervise. So Satan also is a visiting spirit. Now, what I'm saying is that you don't need to invite Satan. He's going to show up. Because it is in the nature of the thief, are you with me, to come. Right? So, what I'm saying is that Satan visits every family. 
Satan visits every individual. Satan visits every nation. It's just that you are not aware. And maybe the visitation of your neighbor, you have been preoccupied by that visitation. And you are not aware that there is a schedule for your own visitation. The Bible says that the thief cometh, the thief will come. His coming doesn't necessarily need to be induced by prayers. You don't need to invite him. The thief is in his nature to what? To come. Right? And, and when he comes, you might find him putting on a face cap and taking a selfie. And you might be deceived to think that he's excited. His mission is defined. Even before he came, he comes to steal. So just in case you are seeing him with dark bones, dark goggles, he's not, he's not trying to do fashion drive. He came to kill. He will come. And uh, that's his nature. And so when you find that there are people in the earth that seem to thrive in city, in season and out of season, it is a pointer to the fact that they have found a technology in the spirit by which they can wade off the effect of the visitation of Satan. So hence, the matter of spiritual covenant. Please help me tell your neighbor, prophesy to your neighbor, the thief will come. I know they don't like that prophecy, but that's what the Bible says. The thief will what? Alright, let's take another scripture to support that point. Uh, that scripture will be the book of Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Now, meanwhile, we did not analyze the previous scripture very well. You notice that the entity that the Bible calls a thief. The Bible says he cometh. Are you with me? What does a thief do? The thief steal. Right? But this thief we are talking about here, his operation is not limited to stealing alone. He does steal according to the traditional definition of a thief. But in addition to stealing, this kind of thief also does what? He kills. This kind of thief also does what? He destroys. So he is, don't limit his operation to your traditional definition of who a thief is. And it will interest you to know that the Bible says he will not come. But if he does come, the agenda that he is coming to implement is to steal, is to kill, and it is to destroy. Now, so we know his agenda. He is not a good fellow. Whenever he shows up, it means he's either on a project of stealing, he's on an agenda of killing, he's trying to destroy. So if we see you as a human being, you survive seasons, you survive times, you survive, you survive different circumstances, different situations. It means you have found a technology to extinguish the bitter visitation of this thief that has a schedule for all mankind. In the book of Matthew chapter 24, are you there? Uh, maybe we'll take verse 
43, but let me check it out. Matthew 24, 43. Okay. Ah, Jesus gave this statement as an explanation. He was giving us insight about the events of the end time. Then he paused and decided to give some form of explanation. And that is what is captured in verse 43 of Matthew 24. This is what Jesus said. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered or allowed his house to be broken up. You see, so, are you there? The problem about this thief is that the thief shows up when he doesn't give you an update, any form of intelligence about his visitation. And because he doesn't give any form of intelligence about his visitation, it is likely that when he shows up, you will not be watching. Now, we, we are seeing something here that a man that is watching can actually forestall the visitation of a thief. But we'll go into that. I've not started with that yet. That's just a by note. We will enter into watchings as a practice to wade off visitations. But we have not reached that point yet. I'm just showing you that there is no intelligence. There is no prior intelligence about this visitation that is given. So if you don't have the culture of consistent watching, you are going to be broken in upon by this thief. Hallelujah. So the thief cometh. The thief will come. It is in his nature to visit. He has a schedule of visitation for all mankind. His visitation is not announced. There is no prior intelligence that is issued that he is coming. He is hoping to break into your space at a time that you are not watching. This is an intelligent visitor that is hoping to achieve his agenda of stealing, of killing, and of destruction. So, because we have an enemy that is intending to visit with us, are you there? That is the reason why we need spiritual covering. It's, it's a technology that is designed to forestall the impact of the visitation of Satan. Knowing this, that Satan will visit whether you like it or not. The technology of wading him off when he does visit is what is summed up in the concept called spiritual covering. Are you still with me? Okay. Let's go into the main body of the message for tonight. We are going to find that in the book of uh, Job. Job chapter number one. Job chapter number one. Uh, I would have loved, okay, maybe somewhere along the line when we continue in the spiritual covering series 
Uh, I will do a 15 minutes interview with, with one of us that I've counseled with, uh, during some grievous days of the visitation of Satan. We'll just do a brief interview on this stage. And then after the 15 minutes interview, we'll continue with our teaching because we will use every form of possible enlightenment that is available to educators on this subject. So turn your Bible to the book of Job, chapter 1. Job, chapter 1. And uh, we will read from the book. From verse number 6, Job chapter 1, verse number 6. Uh, I would have loved to read from verse number 1. Maybe let's just read so that we can see the vastness of his estate and uh, how viscous the prosperity anointing that was at work in his life really was and the things that began to find expression when Satan visited his domain. <laughs> You know, the Bible says, the thief cometh not. He doesn't have any other agenda. But when he shows up, it is for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. There was a man in the land of Oz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright, one that feared God and eschewed evil. I would like us to, because there are various levels of spiritual covering that I'm going to define during the course of this teaching. And it is very likely that the teaching will take quite a long time. Hallelujah. So there are various aspects of spiritual covering. This is the first aspect that I'm trying to expose you to, which is spiritual covering that comes because of my personal alignment to the laws of God. The Bible speaking about Job said he was perfect. Speaking about Job said he was upright. Speaking about Job said he feared God. Speaking about Job said he eschewed evil. This is, this is personal commitment to personal alignment. This is personal uh, holiness. This is a personal walk with God. This is an alignment to the laws and the principles of God. His description, the information about him was, that was upon his curriculum vitae was that he was perfect and upright, one that feared God and eschewed evil. Now, many of us become vulnerable to Satan because we open the door to him when we decide to play with evil. The moment you begin to have dealings with sin, the moment you begin to have dealings with wickedness, the moment you begin to have dealings with, with iniquity, you have by your own hand opened the door to the visitation of the devil. So there is... There is a dimension of covering that is available to a man that is in alignment with God, that is righteous with God in his walk with him. Are you, are you with me? Yes. A lot of people say, oh, body not be wood. 
which is a classical African philosophy to provide allowance uh, for iniquity. It's an allowance for iniquity because body no be wood. Now, when you are doing your body no be wood, what you are doing is that you no longer eschew evil. You are in partnership with evil. You are in alignment with evil. And if any of these four factors are compromised in your life, are you there? You are not covered. So this covering, this commitment of God on the life of Job was a function of his uprightness. Are you with me? Now, for instance, we are stewards of, of the kingdom of God. We are stewards of the kingdom of God. Um, a lot of people send in offerings, online people send in offerings. You people that are on site, you give offerings. And then it is our responsibility to manage those resources in keeping with the calling of God that we have received. Are you there? And even though we have records, very robust records in our accounts department, for every naira that is spent, there are robust records in our accounts department. Are you there? But you see, I say, are you there? We have records, okay? Every naira that is spent, I can tell you how it is spent. And none of it, you, you, do you know that it is possible for people to collect money from people and spend it in a way that is not consistent? It, it has nothing, no bearing upon the calling, the mission for which the people gave the money. You know that kind of, that possibility exists. The reason why, are you there? Now, it means that we have compromised the covenant that we have with the people that are supported. Whereas the people may not know, but the spirit realm, uh, I think we need to digress for me to tell you how the spirit realm is. You know, when that guy came, uh, the, the seven sons of Sceva, when they began to uh, attempt to cast out the devil from the demoniac, the demoniac did not need to go check a file or a register to know their identity. It was, it was like a real time, they had real time access to the man's definitions. The moment you stray away from alignment, any demon within the vicinity is aware there is a very powerful network, demonic network that exists to the last minion of darkness that is assigned to your compound. When new developments break in the realm of the spirit, even that minion, that demon that is assigned to your compound is given an update on the status of things. So they know which territory they can enter into and which territory they have been forbidden to access. A commitment to personal righteousness, to moral rectitude, in more in private than even in public, is a practice that brings security. The, the CV of Job reveals his perpetual practice. This is his default mode. This is how Job is in his most natural state. He is perfect and upright. One that feared God and eschewed him. Are you with me? 
I said, are you with me? In ministry, there'll be proposals that a lot of people will bring to you that if you are willing to attend to, you need to compromise your commitment with God in order for you to go through with those proposals. And the moment you can afford to go through with something that is not accurate in the sight of God, what you have done to yourself is great disservice. Now, a lot of us have the privilege of hindsight. Are you with me? I remember my roommates. And I don't know what student affairs department in the university. They always put me in the midst of unbelievers. That is, I mean chronic unbelievers. Even when we go to arrange so that all the members of one fellowship, we can be given concession and then we stay together. Something will go wrong and I'll find myself in a zoo. How many of you have been to a zoo before? Then you find the, the noise of a monkey is different from the noise of snakes. Different noises in the same accommodation. So I know many times where I will need to leave the room and it, because they bring women from 4 o'clock. So I take my books to read and then to pray and come back. They, they'll be with women for four hours. That's how I spent an entire session. Today, I have the privilege of hindsight and I can look back because the people are still alive to see the outcome of that lifestyle. What did it produce? The teeth will come. Please pro prophesy again to your neighbor. The teeth will come. I heard somebody the other day on an airplane. I said, he, he, he doesn't look for anybody's trouble. He doesn't look for Satan's trouble. He doesn't look for... The, he is a man of peace so that Satan will leave him. Ah, I had no opportunity to reach him. That even now as you speak, the thief is coming. It is prophetic that the thief is coming. Ah, I, a pastor was counseling one of our appointments. I said, no, we don't cast out devils. That, that pastor is telling our appointment. We don't cast out devils because if you leave Satan, Satan will leave you. Which, which is it in the Quran that you saw that, that wisdom? Meanwhile, the pastor that was talking to our own point man, his wife just left him. He, he doesn't know that that is a sign. that His territory has been breached. His defenses have been breached. He still holds on to the philosophy when it is, there is no evidence to show that there is truth in it. His wife had left. In that state of loss, he was counseling someone and saying, we don't fight Satan. People that fight Satan, Satan fights them. And his wife had left. With the children. Are you with me? So there's this. So we are going to look at um, those four factors, maybe in the next lecture, more closely. What does it mean for a man to be said to be perfect? You understand it? The Bible has its own logic. So your understanding of what perfect is, it might be different from what the Bible calls perfect. And I will show you what the Bible means by perfect and how that can compromise your security as we proceed in the lecture. We'll look at uprightness. What is uprightness? There are dimensions of God's secrets that a man that is not upright can never know. 
And I'll show you tomorrow what benefits that you derive because you decide to subscribe to uprightness. Okay, next verse. There was born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was seven thousand sheep and three thousand camels and five hundred yoke of oxen. He had five hundred tractors and five hundred sheep asses. Ah, Jesus. And a very great household, not just may, uh, male asses, but she asses, 500 of them. That means each of them has the potential of producing the agricultural enterprise that this man has. Chief Don, I heard that your father used to farm those days. How many tractors did he use? One tractor. Now, this guy had 500 tractors. It will give you an idea of his, his enterprise. How vast his holdings were. A great household so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the East. Next one. And his sons went and feasted in their houses, everyone his day, and sent and called their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This did Job continually. You see, the wealth of Job did not blind Job. Job was concerned about how God saw his household. And there was this consistent commitment that he brought to the table to ensure that there was no offense whatsoever that we break the link of alignment with God. You see, that's why this guy had that covering from God. That covering from God because he didn't want to violate the principles that were endear God to him and to his household. The Bible says, Thus did Job continually. Verse 6. Now there was a day when sons, the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. I know that this is a Bible house, and if I read a scripture like this, you want to understand what this is about. Because somebody in the congregation will be asking, is Satan that powerful? Can Satan barge into a meeting that he was not invited? This is heaven. Satan was able to break, was it that he was, he great crashed and violated the authority system, the security system in heaven so that he can partake in a meeting that he was not invited. I know you have tons of questions, but I will not answer your questions today. If I answer them today, it will deprive me the opportunity from linking the answer to a lesson. It will just be revelation. I want to link the answer to another lesson to open your spiritual eyes. 
and to show you how Satan comes, uh, how Satan operates. Okay? So Satan was able to enter gate crash into the meeting of the sons of God in the heavenlies. And guess what? When Satan showed up in that meeting, God seemed to have abandoned the sons of God that were assembled before him. And he began to engage Satan as if Satan was the principal subject of the meeting. If you see that God um, engaged Satan so intimately in that meeting, the, the reason was because Satan was needed there. Satan was one of the entities that were, were summoned for that meeting. The moment Satan arrived, the Lord abandoned the other sons of God that were there, bringing reports from various places in the universe and began to attend to Satan. This is what God said to Satan. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence cometh thou? It's been long. It's like, hey! <laughs> How far? <laughs> you know, those days when we left the university and it was, we were like two years post-university, you will know that, okay, these guys have finished with service. So the question you ask when you see your colleague on the street is, how far? The meaning of how far is, do you have a job? Or you are still jobless on the street? So, and because of the, the how far question, a lot of people stop working on the streets. So that they will avoid a situation where they are confronted with, what? How far? Now, when God saw Satan, God said, how far? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. We, you know, earlier we said that Satan, it is prophetic that Satan will visit you. So when God asked Satan how far, Satan said, I've been going to and fro the earth. That means if Satan has been going to and fro the earth, there was a time he saw your compound. <laughs> he, he didn't, Satan didn't say, I sent a demon to go to, I personally have been doing the rounds, going to and fro. So I, I know your compound, I know the name of your husband, I know his grandfather. I used to do that oscillatory motion in the days of your husband's father's father. So I've been going to and fro in the earth, and I've been walking up and down in the earth. To and fro, up and down. Can you see how detailed? To and fro means from end to end. Up and down means I don't rest. You, when you labor in the night, you go to rest. <laughs> Satan goes up and down. Meanwhile, in the economy of rest, which is one of, uh, one of the portions of spirit beings, Spirit beings rest. It is only demonic beings that have no allocation of rest. So Satan has been doing 24 hours, 7 days a week surveillance, and he passed through your compound. Please help me enlighten your neighbor. He passed through your compound. The next thing that God did was to draw his attention to his chieftain in the earth. Verse 8, and the Lord said unto Satan, 
Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man? Can you see those qualities? That's what endeared God to the man. And they were fourfold. He was perfect, he was upright, one that feared God, and one that what? Estude evil. Have you seen him? This guy is living without your products. He is surviving without the things you market. He has found how to live and operate. He only has interactions with me. And he is in the earth. He doesn't drink of your commodity. He doesn't partake of your wine. He doesn't partake of your pleasantries. This guy just lives for me. He loves me, fears me, lives by my principles, and he hates your products with bitter hatred. So it was God himself that made an advertisement of Job to Satan. But you, it will surprise you to know that when God began to speak about Satan, Satan did not need to go check his file to bring Job's details. Next verse. Satan speaks about Job without consulting a fire. His intelligence was on his fingertips. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for naught? Is Job in your service for nothing? You have created incentives for him to want to serve you. Is it not the incentives that are encouragements for Job to continue in his way of uprightness? Let us test the conviction of Job if you can withdraw the incentives. But check it, check this, check this. Because the subject that we are talking on, we are trying to introduce the subject of spiritual covering. Next verse. Does Job serve you for naught? He said, Has thou not made a hedge? It was Satan himself. That said, God has developed a facility around Job called a hedge. This was not God's saying. This is Satan's saying. And according to Satan, the effectiveness and the implication of the hedge was in three dimensions. Can you help me count? Has thou not made an hedge about him? That means there was a hedge about Job. Are you there? Has thou not made a hedge about his wife? Then the second hedge is about his what? Household. First one is about him. Second one is about what? Household. And then the third one is about what? All that he has. A hedge about him. A hedge about his house. And a hedge about all that he had. On every side. That is, are you there? Are you there? The spiritual covering that you access when you prioritize a life of moral rectitude, uprightness, and holiness. This is the shape of it. And it will interest you to know that this is not the last, this is not the last of spiritual covering. This is just one among many covering uh, substructures that God puts around the life of a man. This one that we are studying this evening is a product of righteous living 
and aligning to kingdom principles. Uh, the spiritual nature of this covering is the hedge dimension. And the hedge dimension, just like we have said, is in threefold. There's one that covers you. There is another one that covers your household. So it means that your work of righteousness has implications on your household. You are not following me. Do you know that the life of a pastor can influence the congregation that he pastors? If that rectitude is not in place, everyone that claims to be drawing spiritual virtue from that grace is endangered. And maybe many of you are not aware of how vicious Satan is. How wicked Satan is. And in a situation where a householder, maybe a family head, a ministry head, a business head, a national head, is not operating by these principles of moral rectitude and righteousness and the fear of God, the entire people under his watch are exposed to the activities of darkness. So you can now understand our situation as a nation. So Satan confessed that there was a threefold hedge that was around the life of Job. He confessed. The hedge around him, the hedge around his house, and the hedge around all that he has on every side. Alright, let's go on with the discourse and then you will see there is something I want to reveal this night. Just one point I want to reveal. There are so many points and we'll pick them one by one, strand by strand and expound upon them. But there is just one point I want to raise this night. Next verse. Satan now recommends to God and says, put forth thy hand now and touch all that he had and he will cost thee to thy face. How many of you can relate with the recommendation that Satan just put forward? Which of the hedges does he affect? Is it hedge number one? Because hedge number one is the hedge that covers the life of Job. Hedge number two is the hedge that covers Job's household. Hedge number three is the hedge that covers Job's property. So, are you there now? Can you read verse 11 and tell me which hedge is Satan saying, let us remove this hedge and see. I, I, I guess you are presenting Job to me as one that is a man of uprightness and moral rectitude. My position about Job's commitment is that Job's commitment is occasioned by several good things that you have afforded him. But put forth now thy hand and touch all he had. That means hedge number three. Remove hedge number three. 
And when you remove hedge number three and I can access the things that he has, then we'll be able to test whether his commitment is pure. Are you with me? So most of the time, if, if Satan, if God is bragging on you, the first symptom that you are going to see is the removal of hedge number three. And that will prove where your loyalty lies. I was posted to Lagos. And when I went to Lagos, my wife wanted to come with me. I said, all right, it's okay. So we had two vehicles. I went to Lagos with one. And I gave the other one to one of our pastors. When we got to Lagos one night, I had a dream. And in the dream, I saw that someone came and stole our car. Then I saw one of the preachers in Nigeria, one of our fathers, in the Nigerian uh, landscape, he came to me in the dream and said, my son, do not look for this car. He told me clearly in that dream. I woke up and I woke my wife up. I said, I just had a dream. That uh, our car was stolen. And so-so man of God came to me in the dream and said, do not look for this car. Three days later, they stole our car. After they stole the car, it became clear to me that what the man of God said was the wisdom for the matter. So we did not discuss that car again from that day, and we did not look for it. Fourteen days after the theft of that car, I was in the bathroom taking my bath to go to work, and God spoke to me clearly in the bathroom. Meanwhile, one of my hotspots of hearing the voice of God is the bathroom. The bathroom is a hotspot for me. I don't know about you, but I've, I normally, there's a, a great likelihood that if God wants to stumble into my world, he waits for me in the bathroom. So, 14 days after the theft, I came to take my bath, and then the Lord now spoke to me and said, because you were not bothered about the car, you will not need to buy cars again. Because the argument that was going on was not about cars. The argument was about where my heart was. And Satan had taken an accusation to God and asked him to remove hedge number three. Let us test his loyalty. And the Holy Ghost had come into my dream to give me intelligence. Right? That don't look for it. Don't bother yourself. He knows the argument that took place, the discussion that took place, how Satan bragged. So he came to me in the night in my dream and said, okay, you, 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 just calm down. All right, don't look for it. Three days later, the thing happened. And you need to know where I was in Lagos. For a thief to come into that place to take a car, he must be mad. That's a place that if they apprehend you, no need for police. You are dead. We have people that were expert thief killers in that, our estate. Their job was, they are waiting for the next time a thief will just stray. Hallelujah. We watched many spectacles that we could not influence in that estate. Strange things. Okay. So you need to be a man that is looking for death for you to say you want to come out. Somebody bought, okay, a bus driver, a bus driver, 
I think he got, took inventory of a few new buses and then they packed it in the estate. And then, 11 in the night, those people that I said are looking for people that will stray. They are not, they are not uh, security personnel, but they went on their own watch and checked the buses and found out that there was somebody that entered one bus, waiting for it to be dark so that he can operate. Ah, they just say, hey, how are you? Wait up. They didn't even consult the owner. Yeah, so we had strange men in the estate. So, and the, the name of our estate was popular for, for those kind of things. So it was the chairman of our estate that now discovered that, okay, it was my car that took, he came to visit me to consult. I said, we, we've moved on. Though. I appreciate his coming, but let him look for when we are celebrating, when he hears that I'm promoted in the office. Let him come on those issues, not on this type. <laughs> we had moved on. 14 days later, God said, you will not buy cars again. Yesterday, I was just taking inventory of the three cars in our compound. We bought none of them. None of them. Two of the cars in that compound, I'm the only one that has them in this town. And we bought none of them. Right? Uh, you see, are, are, you, are you there with me? Now, so what happened, what happened is that there was an See, sometimes you need to be able to design your attack very well and know whether God is bragging on your case. As we, we, we speak about this subject, we'll try to be very balanced so that you'll be able to see it clearly and know how to react under several circumstances and several situations. So the negotiation that was on the table here was that Satan was saying, let us remove hedge number three and touch the things that he had and see if Job will not curse you to the face. This is what God approved for him. Number, verse number 12. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he has is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thy hand. What's the meaning of that? How many... So, what God, Satan asked for the removal of hedge number three. God gave him hedge number three and two. The only one he said you will not compromise is hedge number one. Now, the, what I want to bring out in this teaching, since you are following me very well, I want to show you something critical before we begin the lecture. This is very, very introductory. Do you realize that Satan had to receive permission from God before he went on this mission. I need to show you why. Apostle Paul gives us perspective about that. Come with me to 1 Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter 10. Come with me. Okay, let's read from verse 11 to verse 13. First Corinthians 
chapter 10 from verse 11 to verse number 13. We are just beginning the subject, so I need to open it up properly, establish the layout adequately before we begin the series. Because if the Lord wills, we'll be locked up on this teaching for some time. For some time. Now, all these things happened unto them for examples. And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Go on. Wherefore, let him that thinketh his standard take heed, lest he fall. Then he gives us this insight. He said, there is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you or suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. That's the first thing. I want you to see God here as an umpire that regulates the kind of temptation that comes into your space. God knows your capacity. God knows your frame. God knows what you can handle. For instance, the Bible says that he knoweth our frame and he remembers that we are dust. The other day, I gave an engineer a project. And uh, I gave him a project to build a house. So the house was in a certain state of completion when I came back from my many journeys and I called him to give me an account of the building project. Since we have disbursed this amount, is this thing that is here now equivalent to the amount that I've been disbursed? So can you bring me up to speed? I may not know engineering, but I know mathematics. Then he began to give me insight into the fact that there were some things buried in the walls that I, cannot, I, I couldn't see. There were some iron rods buried in the foundation. Alright? And then he told me that in order to make the house stronger, we need to get some other iron rods. That we can build it like this. But if you want it to be stronger, we need to get a type of iron rods and fit it into some of the corners of the building. So, no one knows the strength of a building more, more than the engineer that constructed it. That's the same way the Bible says that God knows our frame. He knows your wiring. He knows what you can take. And the regulator of temptation will not allow you to be tempted more than that which you have the capacity to bear. Should I say something? The temptation that comes your way is actually a revelation of your capacity. This is, whenever you see things being thrown at you, it is a very powerful mirror image of your capacity. Your capacity. As, how many of you have been, have been in, in a certain season in your life in 2022, you've sensed death? As if death was in the corner. The reason why I'm raising my hand is because it happened to me too. But you are still alive. It means you survived that season. So temptation is according to capacity. Attacks 
according to what? Capacity. So my pastor used to tell us those days in the village, he said the ammunitions that Satan uses against you is an indication of your capacity in the spirit. He normally says that I don't, I didn't understand what he was saying until I began my own adventure in Bible study. So God is a regulator of temptation and what makes him allow uh, the level of temptation that comes into your space is an understanding that is not available to Satan, only available to him. He knows your frame. He knows your capacity. And that is what he uses to allocate temptation. Are you there? Because God is aware of the fact that if Satan makes an attempt, the, the loss, Satan's loss, will be revealed if Satan makes an attempt at your life and it doesn't succeed. If it doesn't succeed, what will happen to you is that you are going to experience a promotion. In fact, the promotion is double promotion. It's hybridized. So Satan knows that if he's coming against your life, he needs to come with the resources to succeed. Because if he does not succeed, you become a higher trouble to him than you used to be before. And that's why you will hear that Satan came to tempt Jesus and then he left Jesus for a season when he did not succeed. Because that temptation, that attack that he brought around Jesus' life and failed had established Jesus in a higher position. It means that the argument that Satan had concerning Jesus was wrong. Just like the argument that Satan had about Job was actually wrong. He asked for remove hedge three. God said, I will remove three and two. So Satan took his children. Satan took his resources. His entire large farm fell like a pack of cards. And Job was still in tune with God. It means there was a depth in Job that was deeper than things. If, if Satan launches an attack on your things, God allows him. And you break down. You crumble. It is proof of the fact that you had no debt. Your loyalty to God was because of things. You had nothing with God beyond the things that you possessed. And in fact, the temptation was needed to reveal your situation. So at the end of the day, I would like you to understand that Satan is working for God. At the end of the day. Because it's God that regulates his attacks. He regulates his temptation. Irregulars. And if Satan misjudges you and brings his arsenal at you and fails to break you down, God is going to occasion a promotion. It means what God said about you was right. And because Satan has now known that it is right, God has the liberty and he has the right to increase your capacity as he did with Job. Job now became double in everything. Became double. And that was the result of this situation that we are trying to analyze here. So it's not, uh, 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 temptation is good. It's good in the sense that if your strength is tested and you are found to be stronger than what Satan thought, you are going to be elevated. There was a time like that for, the, for six months straight. It was attack after attack after attack on this ministry. 
Hannah told God, I said, what is this? Are we the only people in ministry? And God did not answer. At the end of the series of attacks, we've had a bumper habit, a mighty promotion. Then I realized what God was saying by his silence. That that pressure I put to you was the only hybrid process that was available to fast track your promotion. So if God wants to fast track your promotion, he will bring Satan's attention to your life. Are you there? So I just wanted you to see that God regulates temptation. Uh, that, that's by the way. But the object of this lesson is to show you that there is a facility called a hedge. Are you there? Something called the hedge. So God is the one that regulates temptation. He will not allow you to suffer or to be tempted above that which you are able, but with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. Now, there are two things here. He will not allow you to be tempted more than you have capacity to bear. Hmm? If in the midst of the temptation, you don't lose sight of God, you don't lose connection with God, you don't lose focus with God, what God will do is that he will give you one wisdom by which you will escape. So there are two things there. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond your capacity. What? And if in the midst of the temptation you don't lose alignment with God, he will now give you what? The wisdom on how to escape. So whether you are under temptation, under pressure or not, this scripture is suggesting that you need to keep your fellowship with God. You need to keep your alignment with God. If God, if you pass the test of alignment under pressure, then you become qualified to become a recipient of the wisdom of God to survive the pressure. And the moment you survive that attack of the enemy, God will advance you for a promotion. All right. So let me go back to the matter that we just raised here, which is the matter of a hedge. And this hedge that we are talking about is a product of personal holiness, of personal righteousness. I want to show you uh, the manifestation of the authority of the local church in removing a hedge from a, an erring brother. Do you realize that the local church, as we are now in this fellowship, if there's someone we are trying to correct and the person refuses every form of correction, we can remove the hedge from his life. Oh, you don't, you don't know. Okay. All right. Come with me quickly. First Corinthians. We can remove the hedge from him. We can only remove the head from him if it is true that he violated the authority instituted by the grace of God on our lives to advance his kingdom. I've, I've seen a lot of pastors that use this scripture to intimidate people and to manipulate people. And in most of those churches that have seen that manipulation and intimidation, they don't have the authority to actually do that thing. 
Follow me. If you really have the authority as an apostolic fellowship to exercise this level of authority, you will not boast about it. And you will not use it to threaten people. When you go the way of threatening people, it is one of the evidences that you don't have that authority. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I'll begin from verse number 1. And it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you. Such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles. That one should have his father's wife. And ye are puffed up. And have not, and have not rather mourned that he that has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I verify as absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that has done this deed. Then he tells them how to exercise corporate authority. Right? Verse 4 is my emphasis. How I wish I could go to the book of Matthew uh, chapter 18 verse 18 to 20 before coming to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 4. You might not understand this scripture except I introduce Matthew chapter 18. Are you patient enough for us to do that? Alright, so Let's go to the book of Matthew chapter 18 from verse 18 to 20. Then I will show you the origin of that level of authority. Then the practice and the application of that authority is what we have in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 4. Okay? Come with me to Matthew. In Matthew chapter 18... Verse 18 to 20. This is Jesus speaking. He said, Verily I say unto you, that whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, this is the first spiritual possibility Jesus is unveiling in the book of Matthew, chapter 18. Right? If Jesus had not unveiled it, we would not know that this possibility exists. But this is not... Where I'm going, okay? Next verse. He said, and again, I say unto you, that if two of you, this is, this is where I'm going. If two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything they shall ask, it shall be done for them by my Father which is in heaven. Notice that this has to do with two. This has to do with a body. This is not individual. This is corporate. Right? So, first of all, Jesus reveals your individual scope of possibility if you operate by faith. Then he shows us a corporate scope of authority if we operate by faith in this scripture. And one thing that is powerful about um, Matthew chapter 18 verse 19 is that verse number 20 explains why 19 is possible. So verse number 20 is the, is the chemistry behind verse number 19. He said, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst 
of them. This is the principle. First of all, there are two or three. And if you are a student of the Old Testament, we know that two or three means the number of witness, a quorum of witness. In order to establish a matter in the Old Testament, you will need at least two or three witnesses. So, the Bible is now saying that where two or three are gathered, so this is a body situation, this is not an individual situation. At least the minimum uh, ceiling for witness must be satisfied. Second requirement is that the gathering, apostolic gathering, is in the name of Christ. Is under the authority that is vested in the name of Christ. That means if we are together here and everything we do is under the influence, under the authority of Christ, there is a requisite capacity that is available to us because we operate under the authority of Christ. So these two or three people that form a quorum must be operating under the authority that is vested in the name of Christ. And if what they are doing, they are doing under the authority that is vested in the name of Christ. The guarantee is that the presence of Christ is going to be in their midst. So, in that collocation of two or three people, because of the presence of Christ that is in their midst, the invincible Christ can become visible. He can speak through their vocal cords. He can move them into intercession. He can pray through them. He can use them as an extension of himself. It will no longer be what they want to do. It will be about what Christ wants to achieve because they are operating under the authority that is vested in his name. Are you there? Are you with me? All right, so... The, one of the applications of this scripture is that scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 4. Can we go back to 1 Corinthians 5 verse 4? Can you see? See, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh -uh. Do you still remember that those, the quorum had to gather in his name? Are you there? So, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together, do you realize that there's a gathering also when two or three are gathered. How are they gathered? In the name. So in this place now, in the name when you are gathered. It's the same thing. And then Paul now makes a statement here. He said, when you are gathered together, under that kind of gathering, are you there? Under that kind of gathering, there is a guarantee that the Spirit of Christ is going to be in the house. That's not all. Under that kind of gathering, even me that I'm absent, my own spirit can be in the house. This Paul saying that. He said, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you gather together, and my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, can you see the presence of Jesus is there? So my spirit can come. It is possible for me to be present in spirit. But that can only happen when the meeting is an apostolic gathering and they are gathering under the authority that is vested in the name. Even though I'm absent, someone can tap into my anointing in that arrangement because my spiritual essence will be present in the, in the collocation. Has it happened to you before? You tapped into my anointing, began to, began to do things that... in Because... All right, so that's what Paul is saying. He said, in this environment, 
Next verse. When this is satisfied, he said, deliver that guy, that fornicator, unto Satan for the destruction of his flesh. That word flesh, they ejected his body. That his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. So how many of the hedges were removed here? Huh? How many hedges? All. Oh. Oh. How many hedges were re removed from Job? Two. But you notice Job had boils all over his body. So what was that? Was it two? See, you are confused. The first hedge, you see, it's not sickness that kills, it's death that kills. You are not aware. Please help me preach to your neighbor. It's sickness does not kill, it's death that kills. What God said is that Satan should not touch Job's life. So that hedge actually protects his life. That first hedge protects his life. But you know, his body... Huh? Sickness came upon his body. But the sickness did not have authority to affect his life. So can you see, in the practicality of that scripture, we see that there are actually four hedges. There is one hedge that protects Job's life. There is another hedge that protects Job's health. There is another hedge that protects Job's household. There is another hedge that protects all that Job has. So, God removed all the hedges except the one that affects his life. You get that? That's the same thing happening to this brother here. That he should be delivered to the devil. Remove the hedge. The moment you remove the hedge, Satan will be on his case. Because the reason why Satan cannot affect him, cannot afflict him, is because of the apostolic hedge. That the grace that God has released to establish a commission makes around his life. So this fornicator disfellowship him. Put him to where, in a situation where Satan can afflict him. That means remove his head. So, the church actually has authority to do that. Like I said to you, if it is true that we have the authority to do that to somebody, we don't boast about it. Neither do we use that as a means of manipulation to threaten the person. No. If we threaten someone and say, Try it. We will expose you to Satan. If we ever do that, it means we don't have the authority to do that. So the authority that the church is exercising here is the authority to remove hedges. And then to put the person in a situation where the person is exposed to Satan. And Satan can now bring affliction, diseases on the person's body. That will make the person repent in his spirit. In his soul. He will make the person come back. Because the, the purpose of that disfellowshipping. And that judgment is not destruction. It's only Satan that destroys. Are you there? The purpose of it is for him to be exposed to the spiritual reality of rebellion. And the affinity he creates with Satan on the account of his rebellion. And to also show him that the reason why he was walking in peace all this while. Was because of spiritual covering that was made available by the grace to establish a commission. Now that we have withdrawn that goodwill from him, he has been exposed and he has seen the reality of his ways. He is very likely 
to turn in repentance. And the moment we notice that he has adequately repented, we can bring him again and cover him with the hedge. So the hedge is a very significant aspect of our spiritual cover. Are you there? The hedge, in order for you to operate under the hedge, there are two things that must be in place. So I'm going to show you tomorrow because I just showed you only one thing, which is your own personal uprightness. That's one aspect. Personal uprightness, personal holiness, uh, the fear of God and all of that. That's one aspect. The second one, the second aspect we are seeing in the New Testament has to do with uh, aligning to corporate authority. See, corporate authority is something I need to teach about. Maybe I do, I'll just do a 15 minutes teaching on corporate authority. Uh, I, I hope we know there is personal faith. You have personal faith. And it's also, there is also corporate faith. I hope you know there's personal anointing. And there's also corporate anointing. When we gather like this, what is available is beyond what is personal. There's a collocation of angels. There's all kinds of stuff. Resources are available when we gather like this. Are you there? So there's personal faith. There's corporate faith. There's personal anointing. There's corporate anointing. There's personal authority. There's corporate authority. I'm going to take some time to teach us about corporate authority tomorrow so that we can operate and relate with corporate authority accurately. If you are relating with corporate authority accurately, you have a right to be shielded from the enemy. The reason why God gives a call is because there is an administration he wants to put in place. A call is the only way by which God can solve a certain problem that hurts him. It's only through a call God can do that. So when God gives a call, a call is not personal. A call is an instrument of corporate deliverance and administration. Are you with me? God doesn't give you a call because of you. He gives you a call because of his people. He gives you a call because of a territory. It is always corporate. The scope of a call is what? Corporate. And there is corporate anointing that is released to achieve that goal that the call represents. There is also corporate grace that is made available in order for that goal to be achieved. Are you there? You will find out that in a, in a territorial call, for instance, there are many individual calls that have find expression within a territorial calling. And the grace that is released from heaven to achieve a territorial calling is superior to the grace that is on an individual. Exactly. Within the scope of this corporate grace, there is corporate authority. If you are in alignment with the reality of the corporate grace that God has made available, there is a covering on that level. We will talk about that tomorrow. So there is a hedge that is based, based on personal righteousness. There is also another hedge that is based on alignment to corporate grace. So we'll look at that tomorrow and then we'll bring them together. And then we will continue. It's a long, long journey. But I hope, I hope you know where we are going now. The idea is that at the end of the day, after this lecture, 
you will know what to do to keep Satan at bay. And even if he comes, you will not notice he came. Because there is a hedge situated around you. I want to end with a scripture. Um, Matthew chapter 10. Read Matthew. Luke chapter 10, verse 17, verse 18, and verse 19. We'll take some more time tomorrow. We'll talk about the corporate grace and how to align with corporate grace. And I'll give you personal examples on things that I've seen, things that I've encountered, demons that came to strike me. But when they came, there was a hedge that would they could see obviously which i was i had no clue about but it was there so they said we will get you and i realized that in that current time they couldn't get me. there was something that was a barrier i will tell you my experiences and how to dwell in safety when you find some of us very strict with ourselves to live upright is because we understand how satan works uh, the thief cometh. So the thief will come. Certain will come. But if we see a man thriving in a land where the rest of the people are saying there is a casting down, it is because he has found the power of spiritual covering. He dwells in his own island where Satan cannot encroach. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name and he said unto them i beheld satan as lightning fall from heaven oh that's the prayer tonight that concerning your life satan like lightning we fall from heaven and he said unto them behold i give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. That's the spiritual covering. Nothing. You'll be treading on serpents. You'll be treading on scorpions. You'll be treading on all the power of the enemy. It's everywhere. Your environment is infested. It's infected. But it is possible for you to walk free. To walk free. Jesus said, Behold, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Can we pray today? Whether you want to pray sitting or standing, no problem. But you are going to pray. And the prayer is simple. Let Satan fall on my behalf. Let him fall on the behalf of my family. And let him fall like lightning. Let him fall like lightning from heaven. Let him fall like lightning from heaven. Oh! Nay. Three more points. Ezekiel chapter 22 verse 30. Ezekiel chapter 22 verse 30. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge. It means that men can make up the hedge. 
you can make up the hedge for your family. You can, that, that place, that part of the hedge that, that have been breached, you can make it up. Can you sign up today and say, Lord, I sign up. I sign up to become the instrument by which the hedge in my household will be made up. I sign up. I sign up. For I sought for a man. I sought for a man. I sought for a man. I am that man. I will make up the hedge. I will fill up the gap. I will fill it up. I will fill it up. I will be standing on my feet. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. Can you make that commitment tonight? For the territory. For your family. For the nation. I will be standing. Hey. chapter 24 verse 43 Matthew 24 43 quickly but notice that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up If there be a watchman in the land, the hedge will be made up. The fowler will not have an occasion. Part of what this Bible study is designed to do is to make you sign up. Sign up as a watchman. I will be standing. There is no other year greater than 2022 with tragedy. Tragedy this year. Uh, and many of us want to relax because it's end of the year. And Satan is still hoping to score some points with you. Hoping to take a trophy from your family. 
The Bible says, if the watchman knew the hour, he can actually stop the house from being buckled. I will be standing. Can you make that commitment? I will be standing. 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 I will be standing in my night watches. I will not give the fowler an opportunity, the hunter a window, an unguarded moment. For I sought for a man that will make up the head. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. He that diggeth a pit shall fall into it. And whoso breaketh an edge, a serpent shall bite him. David told us his story. He said, I, I was afflicted because I sinned. Let me look for that scripture. Um, man on the decks, help me look for that scripture. Where David said the reason for his affliction was because he sinned. Okay, let me look for it myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I've kept thy word. Yes, yes. <laughs> Say before I was afflicted, <laughs> I went astray. For he that breaketh a hedge. This is a hedge of personal uprightness. You know, I, I, I said it one, once upon a time. I had a roommate that was a preacher. And then I was also a preacher. But he was more experienced than I was in ministry. So he said, I want to teach you about ministry. He, he, he locked the door. He said, You can fornicate, but don't be caught. Now, is that kind of philosophy? May the Lord give you understanding. That will compromise your personal edge. For he that breaketh a hedge, a serpent, will bite him. Finally, we want to make a commitment to personal uprightness. My God will not, I will not lose my God. In forthrightness, in righteousness, in word, in deed. The principle that will govern my life is the principle of righteousness. I subscribe 
to righteousness. David said, before I went, before I was afflicted, I went astray. Because whoso breaketh a hedge and suffereth a bite. Strengthen us in our conviction for uprightness, for righteousness, for holiness, for moral rectitude and integrity. Thank you, Father. As we continue in the series, we ask, O oh God, that you bring further light so that every one of us will be preserved in Jesus' name. I pray for every household represented here. For everyone participating online. For every family that is being plundered. Every home that is under the anvil of Satan's visitation. That the corporate anointing over this house, I war against that finger of darkness. Seeking to bring injury to your space. Is it not written in your holy law? Touch not my anointed ones. And do my prophet no harm. Touch not my anointed ones. And do my prophets no harm. We wait off that wind from your palaces, from your dwelling places. Oh, you will not be a victim. In the name of Jesus Christ. May the hand of God upon you be strong. In Jesus name. Amen.